Dudes Who Bet Sports. Dudes Who Bet Sports, it's your favorite show. Dudes Who Bet Sports, where degenerates go. Dudes Who Bet Sports, time to change your approach with Aaron Holderman and his father, the coach. Let's ride. Well, the Associated Press is full of shit. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dudes Who Bet Sports Show. I'm running behind and my computer froze up right as we were going to go live. So we're here a little bit late, but Papa Do better late than never, right? That's right. And if it goes down again, we're in big trouble. That's, That's for right. sure. You're carrying the show if, if it goes down again. Are you well, ready? I can carry the show, I guess, but I don't have any graphics or any of that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, just tell people stories about driver's ad maybe or something like well, that that's, and that's right around the corner it's getting a click getting close that's right you so you're doing it again you're doing driver's ad again i am yeah i committed to him the other day and uh so yeah that'll start the day after memorial day so Ooh, well getting close it is getting close well before you go into that we'll get into college basketball today How about all that? right <laughs> All right, so on the show today, we are going to talk about college basketball, of course. We're going to talk about the Sweet 16 games, kind of project who we think is going to make the Final Four. So you got that to look forward to. And then we'll do the Louisiana Derby after the basketball. Um, we're usually Oakland guys, that's what we cover on the show, but we'll go to Louisiana. There's some Oakland connections there, and we'll kind of talk about that. All right, let's get going here. I'll bring it up on the screen. Uh, like I said, you got to bear with me. I'm a little behind. There we go. Uh, all right, let's talk about college basketball. Let's talk about the games tonight to kick it off. We've got Michigan State and Kansas State. That'll be the first one at 5.30 tonight. Michigan State, one-and-a-half-point favorite despite being the lower seed here. What do you what do you like in this one? Well, we talked about this a little bit uh, on the Daily Show, so we'll go over them again here. Uh, I like Kansas State in this game a lot tonight. Uh, it's a game where you've got a uh, so-called blue blood from the Big Ten that's been there a lot with a coach that's been around forever and is – I think I read somewhere he's been in more Sweet 16s than just about anybody. I saw, I saw stuff. They've been like 16 now, Sweet 16s. That's amazing. Crazy. So they know what to do when they get here. And you go out, got the other program, Kansas State, that hasn't been here very much in the last few years. But I like the Wildcats. I like the way they're playing. They went in a slump in the regular season, came out of it, played very, very well, were disappointed in the Big 12 tournament. But they've come back and, and – been really good for two straight games. Better conference than the Big Ten. That's what sold me the most. I think if they shoot the ball well tonight, they're going to win. So I like Kansas State plus the one and a half. Yeah, I'm with you. I I like K-State in this one as well. I think it's going to be a really good game. I think that's what they're fighting, right? They got to fight that Tom Izzo factor and that yeah. tough Michigan State team that are tough out in this tournament. We know that. We've seen that. I just think K-State's a better team. So we're in agreement in this one to kick it off. I'm with K-State here as well. Uh, I'll take him on the money line. Like I said, you want to give me a point and a half, I'll take that as well. But I think K-State wins this one outright. I've got them moving on to the Elite Eight. All right, let's go to the next one. And, boy, the games in Vegas are going to be crazy tonight. Arkansas and UConn. We'll kick off the West region here in the Sweet 16. UConn, a four-point favorite here against the Razorbacks. All right, where are we going here? All right, we got a loaded bracket. That uh, Western bracket is very, very tough. And um, so you got you to kind of look at what we've got here. You've got a UConn team that at times is really good, but at other times they've struggled a little. Um 
They've lost eight games. They've won 27. Of course, the Big East is pretty good. So that's a good league, and they're solid. And then you've got the team that uh, I think is extremely scary, and that's Arkansas, because the Razorbacks are loaded with talent. They have talent all over the place. They beat Kansas at Des Moines. That was a place where Kansas had more fans than they did. You know, they just are a team that could be peaking at the right time. The talent is there. So I'm going to pick an upset in this one uh, tonight. I'm going to go Arkansas. I know you're going the other way, and I understand perfectly well why you are. But I just think this team is tested. They've been in a tough league. Sometimes those great athletes turn it on in big games, and this is a big one. So I'm going to go with Arkansas. I think they might be a little more talented than UConn. Yeah, I I still believe in this UConn team just a bit more than Arkansas, but what a game by the Razorbacks against Kansas. That was a huge win, and uh, they were about dead in that game, and they came back and were able to pull it out. Gosh, tough matchup again, you know, and that's the thing. You talked about it's a loaded region for sure. Uh, you know, think if Arkansas was catching Tennessee tonight, which is another four seed from the other region, you'd feel really good about him. But Connecticut's going to be tough. That's going to be a really cool. game uh, for Arkansas tonight. I'm with you. I think it's going to be close. Uh, I, I took Connecticut to win. Arkansas plus four, pretty intriguing, though, for sure. Talk about the Razorbacks. They have had their struggles all season. What do you think it was? Is it just not gelling together? Injuries? Wow. What happened? And why are we seeing the best of them now? I think maybe it is that it's they didn't they they don't play together. Yeah, and they there's they blew a lot of games. They had leads in games, couldn't hold on. They weren't real good at home. They lost three or four games at home, which is unusual for them. Yeah, could be just a sign where they just had guys that didn't mesh together. Could be a personality problem with the coach. You know, he's kind of volatile. You don't know what he's going to do. I think he's a good coach. Yeah. But he's kind of wild over there. He may not have total – hadn't got them figured out or they may not have meshed together with the coaching staff. That happens sometimes. But playing like they did against Kansas and in the uh, first-round game when they beat Illinois, yeah, it's a pretty good sign that they've kind of turned it on. They're pretty good in this tournament, too. They, When they get this far, they're pretty tough. So I just, you know, I just think they, they're, they're coming together at the right time. We'll just have to see. thing with them is sometimes they don't shoot the ball very well, and that's, you, you can't do that when you get to this week's 16. you got to hit your shots. So we'll see. I just kind of like them to pull an upset. i got to pick an upset somewhere. Yeah, and uh, like Russ said, we hate a lead, and that's yeah. true. I mean, they – you know, they had Alabama on the ropes in the SEC tournament and they blew it. And so, and like I said, that's just one example of it. Whew, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be a hell of a game. Listen, Musselman in this tournament has been a really tough out. They have played great under they Musselman have. since he's gotten there in this tournament. So, yeah, I, I you know, he does a good job. I think uh, he's, he's, he's kind of crazy, you know, he kind of does some goofy stuff, but he always has. And uh, it's really funny with Arkansas fans. We mentioned this the other day. A week ago, they wanted him fired. Mm-hmm. Thought he was doing a terrible job. And now he's the greatest thing since peanut butter in <laughs> Arkansas. And that's the life of a coach. 
And if well, he gets beat tonight, he'll go back to the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> the worst thing for a coach is expectations, right? Yes. And that's the problem. They were, you got to, if you rewind before the year, this was supposed to be like one of the best teams in Arkansas history and one of the best yeah. teams in the country and a final yep. four team. And then when you don't live up to those expectations, this is what happens. You get everybody's hopes up. And then if you don't, you don't play yep. well, well, we got to blame somebody because we've got all these players. Well, it's the coach's fault. And that happens no matter what school you're talking about. Absolutely. But, you know, but, I was thinking, go ahead. Well, I'd say, but all those games, those 13 losses, yeah. they mean absolutely nothing, nothing right now. Nope. You get They're to the final four. Away from a great season. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. And it should be a great season anyway. When you get to the Sweet 16, you've had a great, great year. And we'll get into this a little bit more when we get to some of these higher-seeded teams coming up. Tomorrow, really, which I think tomorrow is a little easier than today. Today was very difficult to, do, mm -hmm. to decide. But I was going to—I was thinking about this this morning. This is—we're going to switch to the NBA for just a second because we both—you are a solid Oklahoma City Thunder fan, and I'm more of a front runner. I get interested in them when they start playing pretty well, and you've kind of stuck with them through thick and thin. Mm -hmm. The expectation right now, their head coach, and I—I I, I think he's done a fabulous job. You know, keep keeping them focused, and now you know they're in the playoff hunt. And the expectations were nothing this year. Mm -hmm. Let's say they go ahead, and let's say they get in the playoffs. I don't think they're going to do anything, but it you know they could. That West is kind of wide open, but I, I, let's say they just make the playoffs, which is you know that's more than anyone ever expected them to do. Mm -hmm. All right. And let's say they go ahead and they went. Let's say they, they they end up 44 and 38. You know, they have a winning season. Let's say they do that. And they're doing this without their number one draft pick from a year ago. He has not played a minute. And if you don't remember, he was the star of the Gonzaga team. That was number one in the country all year last year. Mm -hmm. he, he broke his foot or something, and he has not played at all. They've got him coming back next year with the guys that they have, plus all of the draft picks that they have amassed. They could do some crazy stuff in the offseason and suddenly be one of the favorites to win the West. And what if they don't meet the expectations? That, yeah. that coach is going to go from the greatest coach ever to just a bum. And it could happen because the expectations are going to be there next. So yeah, you hit the nail huge. on the head with Arkansas. Yeah, they're going to be huge uh, expectations for Oklahoma City as well. You're right, and and yeah, it's it's funny because this year it's like it's unbelievable because nobody thought they would, they would win 25, 30 games. Yeah. You know, so and there they are playing as well as anybody in the West right now. Yeah, I know it's crazy. It's yeah, crazy. But that's that's the life of a coach right there. Yeah, you better believe it. All right, let's go on to Florida Atlantic and Tennessee. The other game going on at Madison Square Garden tonight in New York. Tennessee, five-point favorite currently. This thing's kind of been all, all over the place between four and six. Tennessee, a five-point favorite against Florida Atlantic. All right, who are we taking in this one? Well, I know who I'm rooting for, and it's not the team with orange. And I, I really want them to win. I want Florida Atlantic to win. I, I, I like them. They've been my team. I've been on these small schools bandwagons for a long time. Here's a team with 33 wins uh, that wouldn't have made the tournament if they didn't win their conference championship. But here they are in the Sweet 16. 
Uh, there's several of these teams that are like this, and they're kind of call, uh, carrying the banner, them along with Princeton, for the smaller schools. They are very talented. But I didn't like the way they played the other night against Fairleigh Dickinson. And I know Fairleigh Dickinson was on a high and were playing above their heads probably, but I thought they should have put them away a little bit more than they did. I think they have some holes. I don't think they're quite physical enough for Tennessee. The key, and we talked about this today, Tennessee has got to shoot the ball well. If they don't, then this game's going down to the wire. If they shoot like they did against Duke, and if the officials let them mug Florida Atlantic like they did Duke, I think they're going to win. I think they're going to cover because I think they're a little bit better, and I think they're more tested than Florida Atlantic. But I know you're going the other way. Yeah, I went Florida Atlantic, and and I just think uh, I just think this team is is just as good as Tennessee. I think they can match up with them uh, pretty well, and I think Florida Atlantic pulls an upset. I'll give you the five points. You want to take it to me, or want want to give me the five points? I'll take it. I'm taking them on the money line too, though. I'm going to take Florida Atlantic to win this game and pull off an upset. I think they've got a great shot in the next round too. I really think Florida Atlantic has a good shot to make the final four, um, but it's got to start here. They need to be tough tonight. And if they can just play tough and, and, and not you know, get frustrated by the defense, they're going to get some open threes. If they can make them, they're going to win this game. Give me Florida Atlantic. I, I like yeah. the Owls in the spot. I, right. I faded another, Tennessee round one. It worked out, you know, as yeah. far as the spread goes. Round two didn't work out so well, yeah. so we'll see. I, another factor in this, too, if I'm coaching Florida Atlantic tonight, I'm just saying, guys, just go out there and play your butts off. All of the pressure is on yeah. Tennessee. You yeah. don't want to lose to Florida Atlantic. You just yep. don't. And that's a lot of pressure on a team that doesn't shoot the ball real well anyway. So especially very well happened. I know I'm like very Duke. Huh? Especially after beating a team like Duke. Absolutely. You don't want to turn around and lose to Florida Atlantic. Abs that's right. When you got a shot to get to the final eight, you don't want to lose to Florida Atlantic. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. All right. Game of the night on the latest, which I know you're not a fan of that. And uh, I had a, had somebody from the East Coast text me and say, hey, you think you ate it? 945 here for us on the East. But Gonzaga against UCLA. UCLA, a one-point favorite. Like I said, game of the day. Who are we going with? This is the game of the day. And as we said before, this should not be a Sweet 16 matchup. These two teams are far better and one of them getting eliminated in the Sweet 16. So this was horrible seating uh, by the committee. Yeah. Uh, this is a toss-up game. It can go either way. I did not like the way Gonzaga played against TCU. I thought they should have beat them worse than they did. I know I give them some credit for hanging in there. They didn't shoot the ball very well. That's the key to them. Will they shoot the ball? UCLA plays the same way every night. They don't have ups and downs. They're very tough. They're very physical. They're very well coached. That's who I'm taking, but this is a true toss-up game. Uh, I think the winner of this one is in good shape to probably get to the Final Four. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. They're going to have a tough game in that next one. I'm going to take UCLA. I just can't go against them. I've been with them all year. Um, I really like this Gonzaga team, though. Not going to be surprised. Uh, it, it's two teams that play very well in Las Vegas, too. They're no stranger to Las Vegas. So, gosh, it's going to be a hell of a game. You know, I, I just think UCLA will be able to defend a little bit better than Gonzaga. I think they'll be able to slow them down just enough. Uh, to I do, too. Done. 
So give me the Bruins in this one. So what, what we'll have then in the uh, finals, do you want to do that now or do you want to come back and do that? Yeah, so let's do it. Um, okay. We'll we'll do that real quick here for who who's going to go to the final four. So, uh, you know, you've got K-State winning uh, the first game in Madison Square Garden, and then you've got Tennessee. So who do you think is going to win out of those two? Yeah, that's the bracket that's totally screwed up. And uh, that's the one that a long shot could come through, I think. Uh, I'll take Kansas State in that matchup with Tennessee. And that's the last team. I, I didn't would would never have picked either one of them to go to the final four. You know, that one's just a mess. Yeah, I've got that bracket was terribly weak mm-hmm. to begin with. So if somebody weird was going to come out of there, it would have been that bra- that side of the bracket. So yeah, I would go with K State over Tennessee in that uh, regional final. Yeah, uh, I would have K State and Florida Atlantic and. I'll go Kansas State in that one. I think K State will beat them, but I'm going to tell you, I think Florida Atlantic to go to the Final Four. I do too. I really think they've got a shot at it. If they can beat Tennessee, they can beat Kansas State too. Well, exactly, and and you know, I I at the end of the day, I I don't think they'll get all the way there. I I think I'll go K State, um, but uh, I mean, it's it's that's a dicey region. Any of those could could make Michigan State could make it. You know. They oh, absolutely! State tonight, so. Um, oh, I, okay. Let's say Michigan State does beat Kansas State tonight. Wouldn't you pick them against either one of the others in the final game, in the regional final? Yes, I would too. I would. I would too. Yeah, I would. And then the other one we've got, uh, we both like uh, UConn and UCLA. So who who you got? Well, I like Arkansas, but anyway. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm sorry, you like Arkansas. Yeah, UCLA. Here's the thing with Arkansas. They will have beaten Illinois, Kansas, and UConn mm-hmm. to get to this game. And then they're going to have to knock off either UCLA or Gonzaga. Yeah. I don't think they can do it. So I'm taking the winner of the UCLA-Gonzaga game to win the regional final. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to take UCLA. Um, I would not be shocked, though, if any of these four no. came out of it either. Uh, no. This is – to me, you know, if you had to pick a regional just to attend, if you're just a basketball fan, that's the one. The West yeah, Regional is fantastic. It's a good one. All right, let's move on to the Friday games. These are new games. I haven't talked about them yet today. Right. Uh, we'll, we'll start with San Diego State and Alabama. Alabama currently a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, we talked about on the Daily Show, Alabama seems like a strong favorite to get out of this region. What do you think about them covering the spread against San Diego State? This uh, San Diego State is a sneaky good team. Yep. You know, they yep. we don't see them much because they're on the West Coast and they're in the Mountain West. You know, they're one of those teams that I don't know if they're going to get the full respect from Alabama because of who they are. Their defense, they are nails defensively. And anytime you play that tough defense, you got a chance. I don't think this is an easy draw for Alabama, but – if Alabama gets to rolling, I don't know if San Diego State can keep up. That's the deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're going to have to slow that game down, get it under their tempo, and make sure Alabama doesn't go on a run because Alabama's capable of putting up 80. Seven and a half, I think that's really I, – I thought it would be a little higher than that, to be honest. 
So I think that's doable for Alabama. Uh, I think they cover, but I think this game's going to be close for a while. And I think they're going to outlast them at the end and maybe pull away down the stretch. Yeah, I'm with you as well. I think Alabama wins this one. I'm not too worried about San Diego State in this situation for Alabama. I think they'll get the job done pretty easily. I think their next game might be the one that's a little scary for them, but I think they get San Diego State. Uh, you know, I, I think this is a good team. I don't think they're a great team, and I think this Alabama team, from a talent standpoint, yeah, they're about as good as it gets right now in college basketball. So give me Alabama. I think they're going to cover this one. Um, let's go on to your team, Houston and Miami. Houston, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. I thought that was a little high here taking mm-hmm. on the Hurricanes. What do you think? Well, the Houston situation, we've discussed it a lot. How healthy are they? What are their players going to be like? They've had a few days to, re- to recover um, from the second half that when, when they were fine. I love what Sampson did at halftime of that game. I love it. He just went in and told them, guys, you're going to have to play through these injuries or you ain't going to play no more because we're going to get beat. Yeah. You know, I know you're hurting, but you got to do it. And they did. And that's what that's Kelvin Sampson in a nutshell. Uh, we talk, we've talked about all year long. When they get to the tournament, matchups. What are the matchups going to be for Houston? What kind of team do they not want to play? This might be one of them. I mean, Miami has proven they're pretty damn good. And they've been good all year. And they, uh, I forget who they beat to get here. I don't have my bracket in front of me, but they handled them pretty easy. It was yeah. a pretty good team. Who was it, Aaron? Indiana. Yeah, and they thumped them. And that was an overrated team. But still, you know, it's Indiana. you got to play to beat them. This is a scary one for Houston. I think, though, they have more talent than Miami. And I think if those guys are healthy and they can stay on the floor, I think they win. I don't know about covering, though. I think I would take Miami plus the 7.5, but I think Houston's going to win. By the way, you look at the ticket prices to get into these games, $23 and $30 compared to the the, the ones we talked about for today. They're like 135 and 115 So I can't believe those prices. Yeah, well, you know, one's in New York, one's in Vegas, and then these are in Louisville, Kentucky, and Kansas City. I think that makes a huge difference. Yeah, man, 23 bucks to get in. I Listen, I think Houston gets it done, and, and I think – Getting through that first round was their biggest challenge uh, from an injury standpoint. I think they'll be feeling better. I think they're better than Miami. I like Houston. Well, I'll tell you what. They showed me a lot in the second half of that game with Auburn. Having to beat Auburn in Birmingham, you're down 10 at the half. You're playing like crap. Auburn's playing really well. And you got two guys that are hurt, and you come out and you thump them. You outscore them fifth. What was it, fifty to twenty-three, something like that, in the second half. Yep, that's impressive. This team can win it all. There's no doubt about it. It definitely was a wake-up call. It felt like, like you yeah. said, at that half, and they came out and did that. And in that that second half, and then really Alabama's first two games, almost all the game, those two teams look like the two best teams right Indeed. now. Yeah. Can Houston keep doing it? They need to come out and do that for the first half against Miami and proved everybody that they are the legit number one team coming into that final, you know, hopefully final four for them. So we'll see. They're going to have a tough game and they're going to have a tough next one too. We'll talk about that in a second. All right, let's go on to the, to uh, the game between Princeton and Creighton here. Winner of this one, probably going to play Alabama. 
Uh, Princeton, the 15th seed, gets through. And now they've got Creighton. Creighton was really good in the first yes. couple of games. Who are you like in this one? Uh, who I like? Well, it's hard for me to pick Princeton. It just is. Uh, yeah. What a job they've done, though. They knocked off Arizona. No one thought that was going to happen. And then eh, Missouri. That, that's I wasn't real surprised by that. Right. Because they're undisciplined and they, you know, this team they're playing this time. This is another sneaky good team. At times they are really good. And and they kind of went through a, a spell there in the Big East where they lost some games, and that, that's why that record is what it is. They played a tough non-conference schedule. I I don't think this will be a game. I think they'll handle them, and I think I'll take Creighton to cover that nine and a half. That's a lot of points, but I, I just don't think Princeton's got enough to keep up. Yeah, and I think a lot of times with these Cinderella stories, once you get through that first weekend and you get refocused into the next weekend and that team that you're playing has had four or five days to kind of prepare. And look, that that point of, hey, they're the 15th seed, that, that doesn't mean anything anymore. Now mm-hmm. we're, we're, playing, we're in the Sweet 16 now. So it's yeah. like, hey, it doesn't matter who we're playing. We're going to be focused. We're going to be ready. I think Creighton gets it done. And I think Creighton could give Alabama some troubles. We'll you talk bet. about that here in a second. All right, last one, Xavier and Texas. Texas four-point favorite right now. I thought Xavier had a good first couple of rounds of this tournament, well, at least the second round for sure. Uh, Texas, they've just been solid. They've been solid for about the whole season, really. Who you got, Longhorns or Xavier in this one? Yeah, this is another team. Texas has been pretty consistent all year long. Uh, this Texas team seems to be, you know, I think in the past some of those Texas teams have been soft. Yeah. They've been really good, but they've been soft. This team's not. They can beat you 60 to 50, 50 to 48, or they can beat you 85 to 81. I mean, they've just got a lot of things they can do. And I think they're going to be too physical for Xavier. But I'll tell you, we talked about this after Xavier pulled that game out against Kennesaw State. Uh, Sometimes you get over that one, and they came out in the next game, and they blitzed Pitt, and they took it to them. This is a team that can put the ball in the basket. If they get to rolling, they're hard to beat. But I think Texas is too big, too physical, too good on defense. I think they can get out and cover them. And I think they beat them. What is it, four points? I'll take Texas in the points. Yeah, I'm with you again. I, I We're in agreement uh, a lot on these uh, Friday games and not as much on the Thursday games. I'm with you. I think the Longhorns get it done. I think they're just better than Xavier, and that's that's the bottom line on it. I think they're more uh, a more complete team. You know, Xavier, it's it's all offense, really. That's what they rely on, and I think the physicality of Texas is going to be pretty tough. And you're right. Here's the deal. And whether you love or hate the guy, Chris Beard is is a great coach. By the way, he went to Old Miss. So yeah. <laughs> that'll be interesting to see if he can turn and them around. And they suspended him, what, four games, I think? Yeah, right. Yeah, no big deal down at Old Miss, I guess. No. But but Beard, that's that's what he is. Toughness is, is what his basketball teams have always been. So he's not there anymore, but these are still his guys. And it's still, yeah. you know, his coaching staff for the most part. So I, they play just like a team of his, right? Yeah. And we'll see what he does at Ole Miss. I'm pretty high on him. Um, but anyway, Texas, I'm with you on that one. So yeah. let's go Alabama-Creighton real quick. That's our hypothetical game. I, I've said that I thought Creighton could give him problems. What do you think? Well, I think so, too. Uh, they've got a lot going for them. Uh I just 
think Alabama's too good. I just think they're too good. I think they beat them. Uh, but this will be a scary game if these two teams get there because Creighton is extremely well coached, very disciplined. They can score. You know, they, they can shoot the ball and get a good guy inside. They're going to give Alabama fits. Uh, but I just think Alabama will win in the end. Be interesting to see what that uh, uh, point spread will be. I would say five, maybe for Alabama. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take Alabama to win. I'll take Alabama as well, but I think that's going to be a tough one. I yep. really do. I think Creighton can beat them, but I don't know that they've got enough inside, like you said at the end. Yep. But Creighton's going to be tough. There's no doubt about yeah. it. And then finally, Houston and Texas. I mean, this is going to be a battle in Kansas City if this happens. Uh, gosh, where, where are you leaning on this one? This will be a war, an absolute war. Two teams pretty much alike. You know, it, it, they're they're really good. Um, in the, the Texas teams of the past, I think Houston would kill them. You know, they would just physically maul them. I don't know if they're going to be able to to kill them. Samson knows how to beat Texas. When he was at Oklahoma, he had a lot of success against. Now that's been a long time ago. Yeah. It's not the same thing. I just think they're going to let it all out if they get this far, and I think they're going to beat them. But uh, this will be a very difficult game for them. I kind of think if they can get this far and their health is okay, these are the kind of games where Texas or Houston can kind of just say, "Okay, we've made it this far." They're not going to beat us. We're going to beat them. So I'm going to take Houston to beat the Longhorns, but this will be a toughie. Yep, I'm with you. It's going to be a tough one. I'm going to take. I'm going to take Houston as well. I think they get it done. I I, I still like this Houston team an awful lot. It was looking bleak, and then they turned it on, and I thought, well, if they can have that in them, then they're going to, you know, they're going to make a bigger run than than what I kind of thought because it it didn't look good. They did not look good round one. They did not look good, obviously, the first half of round two, and then boom, they, they, they lit them up. So, yeah, give me Houston. I'm with you on this one. So, I think it's the best team he's had down there. Yeah, I agree. I was looking. Do you know, well, of course, they don't have the times out. I am traveling all day. Uh, usually uh, on these games, these final fours, that's what you got up here? Yeah. No. The Elite Eight. The Elite Eight. So you're leaving? Uh... Sunday. Oh, okay. Usually they're like on Sunday, they try to get that game over with a little sooner in the afternoon on oh, Sunday. They're usually like one to four, like one, one, and then four o'clock. Yeah. Well, Saturday, like four to eight, I think. I won't be able to watch any of these on Sunday. So hopefully they're blowouts. Well, I'm not sure of that either, but uh, that's kind of what they've done in the past, I think. Because, well, are they both on CBS? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, but in the past, the Sunday games have been earlier mm-hmm. than the Saturdays. So, yep, anyway. yep. We'll find out what happens. Though this is going to be really good. I, yeah. I, I think the tournament has been a lot of fun. But I think the cream is going to start to rise to the top this round. Um, well, I do too. Don't you think this is when the tournament really starts? Usually, yes. Yeah. Most years when we get to here, now it's time. Now it's, it's really time. Much see. Like it always is. Uh, you got a couple of surprises in there, but 
the two teams that I think both of us thought were the best going into this, the three, are still in it. Mm-hmm. And that's Houston, UCLA, and Alabama. Mm-hmm. And they're still there. The cream has risen to the top. Uh, we neither one liked Purdue, and I think both of us thought they would be out and wouldn't make it to the Sweet 16. They were a joke. And I didn't like Arizona very well. No. Kansas has surprised me a little bit. But they were beatable this year. They won an awful lot of close games. So I, I would say Kansas and Arizona are the two only two real surprises that they're not here. Yeah. I thought Arizona would make the Sweet 16 for sure. Yeah, definitely with the draw they had. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they had to beat Brent, uh, Princeton and then turn around and beat Missouri or Utah State. Yeah. Yes. They should have made it to the Sweet 16 for sure. Uh, that Yeah, that was a huge surprise. Purdue, not so much. They probably should have made it to the Sweet 16, though. Yeah. But uh, you talk about a team that choked. I mean, that was just so obvious. But that it's in their head now that they can't make it. It's in their head. It's obvious. Yeah, it's in their head, and I don't know how you how you get that out. Uh, you just have to win a couple and get through that. But yeah, they they got real mental problems when it comes to it now. But it's this this is when the tournament really begins, and really when you got past the first three or four or five teams, it was a crapshoot after that anyway. You know, it's whoever's playing the best. The team I think that surprised me maybe the most, uh, they were seated third, and they've got there, and that's K-State. I just didn't know whether they could do it. I didn't think they could beat Kentucky, and and they did. And, and Kentucky played pretty good, mm-hmm. and K-State just beat them. They've proven a lot to me. Uh, they're, they're my biggest surprise as of the top seeds that have gotten through it. Yep. No, I agree. I, I, I thought Kansas State – would have a lot of trouble getting out. They they were just a really they're a good team, but they were just kind of inconsistent in the Big right. Twelve, and it kind of felt like they were kind of tail diving. And they 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 got going a little bit. I don't know. I just I didn't I couldn't get a read on them. But no, they they did well. They did. And well. I I guess Tennessee's a little bit of a surprise for me that yeah. they made it. I thought I thought Duke would handle them. I, I was pretty sure of it, really. And uh, oh, and the and the the other one that got knocked out um, was Baylor. Right. They were awful. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know they shouldn't have been seated three though. They really shouldn't have. And Indiana shouldn't have been a four. So I, I it was odd. It was definitely well, odd. You had to put uh, somebody in there, but it was odd. Baylor played so bad. I mean, they 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 didn't look good at all. No, right? but I mean, that's that's a tournament for you. That happens. Oh, sometimes. Yeah. you know, when you look at this Miami team, they're pretty. They could have easily been a three. Mm-hmm. They're solid. That is a tough match. And you look at this Miami team, if Drake wouldn't have quit playing, they wouldn't be here. That's, that's the true. Thing. And that's what we saw a lot. One game they would play pretty average, and the next game they'd play good. A lot of teams did that. And yeah. Miami was beat, and Drake did not score the last five minutes because the last five minutes of the game, Drake just played five out and passed the ball around and didn't even get a shot. That's so true. if they would have you know, just kept playing, Miami wouldn't be here. So yeah. That's what I keep thinking about with them. And yes, they played fantastic against Indiana, but they were awful against Drake. And that's 
again, that's why I think some of these teams that are inconsistent, they're going to get shown the door uh, in these exactly. next games. Yeah. By the way, before we quit, get off this, did you see any of the Utah Valley game last night? Yeah, yeah. Was that place not nuts? Crazy. And to me, what the NIT needs to do is shit can all these Oklahoma states, Wisconsin's, all of them, mm-hmm. and get those small college schools in that mm-hmm. because those those schools care. Yeah, they they're going to pack the place, and they care. And that because that Utah Valley's never going to win a national championship. They're never going to win one. But the NIT is a pretty big deal for them. Mm-hmm. And you got UAB, that's a really good team that's in it. North Texas is still alive. And I think Wisconsin's the other other one. And to me, it's a showcase for those smaller schools that deserve to be in some kind of a tournament. Yeah, absolutely. It was fun to see a packed gym for an NIT last night. I knew it would be. And I think that crowd helped win that game for them. I don't think there's any doubt it did. Yeah, they they definitely uh, they're you know what they're not a bad team though. No, they they won 28 games and that's pretty good and that league wasn't bad. So yeah, I mean there's some North Texas is really good. Yeah, and UAB by the way is damn good, and that's who Florida Atlantic throttled. Yeah, in in uh, CSA so. Yep. Well, if you remember, that's the team that they had to beat, like said, and we were worried. We didn't think they could do it because you has experience. Yeah. yeah. So there's some really good basketball. And, and you and I, since we pick these games every day now, mm-hmm. and we can get on ESPN Plus and just watch the end of them, don't have to watch them all, we have seen a lot of these teams that we never would have seen before. Yeah. And they're good. There are some great basketball players at that level. Yeah, you know, the only thing that was disappointing to me, um, Oral Roberts is a better team than what they played in that first round against Duke. That's the only only team that we had watched all year. We thought, damn, they're really good. They just played awful, and I, I felt terrible for them. Yeah. Um, who else? Well, I mean, College of Charleston, yeah, they, they weren't too bad. Yeah, but they had a tough draw. That was yeah, a tough Yeah, well, game. so did Oral Roberts, too, but, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, like a, a team like Furman, we knew a lot about. It was good to see them get a win. And yeah, uh, the, the the funniest thing was like Florida Atlantic, we were all over, but Princeton is one we just we never could have. No, because that. in the regular season, they weren't the best team in the in the Ivy League. No, no. Now traditionally they are, and when they had to win the tournament, they did. Yeah, but they weren't as good as Princeton teams as there's been in the past. No. But if I was these small college schools, you know, you talk, you're not going to win the national championship. You're just not, unless you're a freaky team like Florida Atlantic might be. Yeah. To me, I think you're better off just going to that NIT and making a run there. You know, I know that's not what you want to do, but mm-hmm. you know, it'd be nice to see Carl uh, College of Charleston still play. You know, but anyway, yeah, well, it's a good consolation prize for those guys. There's no, yeah, doubt. no yeah. doubt. No doubt. All right, let's change gears before we go off the air here, and let's talk about the Louisiana Derby. We usually talk about Oklahoma races, but not a whole lot going on in Oklahoma. So no. we for our horse racing. We go down to the fairgrounds, go to the Louisiana Derby. It's going to be a great race, a million-dollar race uh, for this one, going a mile and three-sixteenths. And since they've stretched out their preps, they've had a little bit more success producing horses 
that run pretty well in uh, the Kentucky Derby and throughout the Triple Crown Series. Field of 12, lining up in this one. Post-time favorite, or excuse me, morning line favorite and most likely post-time favorite will be the number two instant coffee. Papa Dude, all right. I mean, we've got a lot of options here. Where are you going? Do we? <laughs> <laughs> now, here's the thing. You you, you guys study these two, uh, well, they're three-year-olds now, mm -hmm. a lot more than I do. And I don't know their backgrounds and all that stuff. I just have to look at the form and read it and then kind of base what I read because I can read a form. Obviously. And, and, you know, I can do that. Yeah. But I don't know the backgrounds of some of these others. I don't see anybody even close to the favorite. Now, I, I guess I'm wrong because you say this is going to be a heck of a race. Well, I think you've got plenty of options if you want to play against him. But oh, oh, really? To beat him? Well, yeah, I think I think if you want to, if, if you think, hey, I'm going to try to beat instant coffee, there's a six or okay. seven horses you could use. To try well, to I've, I've, I've got five written down. Okay. So I'll throw them out there. Uh, when you when you just look at what instant coffee has accomplished, you know I think he's clearly accomplished more than anyone else. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he has a couple of uh, graded stakes wins there, and so you know I don't think he's super. I don't think he's a forte, you know, but he might be. You know, he's still got some growing to do. Mm -hmm. I. Uh, I like Sun Thunder, uh, the four, but I don't like the trainer. But he sometimes pulls an upset, and this horse has done some stuff. Yep. Second in the Risen Star. Um, so that's good. He ran okay in the slop in the southwest at uh, Oaklawn. So the horse has had some success at graded races, graded stakes races. So I think he's a definite threat. Uh, and he has that trip over the track, you know, the Risen Star. So I think he is definitely somebody you got to look at. I kind of like the three a little bit, Curly Jack, mm -hmm. who had been running real well until the Risen Star, and he finished eighth. So I don't really know what happened in that race, but his, his uh, track record going into that was pretty good. So – if you want to draw a line through that, you might look at him a little bit. I kind of liked him. Uh, Cox has got a couple of other ones in there, um, the 9 and the 11, uh, Tappet's Conquest, and the 11 is J.C.'s Road. Uh, Tappet's Conquest is 10 to 1, and J.C.'s Road is 12 to 1. But I like J.C.'s Road better than I do Tappet's. Conquest, as does Russ. So that's another one I think you can look at to maybe pull up an offset. And then the interesting one kind of for me, you haven't really done anything, but you can't overlook Todd Pletcher, and that's the six with Kings Barnes, who's two for two, but he hasn't run anywhere. You know, I hadn't done much, but still he's two for two. So those are the ones I like, two, three, four, six, eleven. Anybody I left out? Well, I, I'm surprised you didn't mention either one of the Aspison horses. I don't I, I just I'm not seeing them do anything, really. I think no. Shopper's Revenge is interesting. Well, you're I'm gonna have to make a case to me, okay? <laughs> two races back goes gate to wire with an impressive win. That you know? was a good one. I agree. 
Last time out, completely missed the break. A horse that's usually in the front is last, dead last, still runs up and gets second. I think that's a sneaky good race. My problem with Shopper's Revenge is I don't think he's good enough to win this kind of race. Right. But if you get the price, 12 to 1, I well, don't play him underneath. Right? What's that? You got to play him underneath. I don't think you have to, but I think he's interesting. Okay, he's somebody to look. Now, what about the other one, the five? The five disarm is interesting. Okay, so if you <laughs> That's what you said about the one. <laughs> we talked about the five disarm on the show when he was going to run um, his his allowance race at Oakland. We were really high on him. And he got second, and he was a distant second behind Two Eagles River, a horse that had been running over, over, and over, and, and had really good form. And disarm just didn't. Now... Off that race, which was lackluster, we're in this one. And I thought that was really interesting. This is a horse that has displayed a lot of talent, but he's very lightly raced. Can he step forward in that second start? That's going to be the big key for him. It's a tough, tough place to step forward. I, I feel like if he's in an allowance race, you know, he's six to five. Yeah. But here, I'm with you. I, I couldn't use him. I just couldn't use him. But no. I, I just I just don't think he's I like the one better than I do the five. That's for sure. Of the I'm two aspects. I'm kind of with you. I, I I do tend to lean towards the one versus the five. Um Santana on one, Rosario on the other. I think that's kind of a wash. Yeah, um, me too. It's confusing. Uh if disarm wins, I'll be pretty upset because I was pretty high on him and he wasn't bad, but he just didn't look like a horse that's ready for this, you know. Yeah, Chopper's Revenge, he he makes more sense being here. Like, what else right. you really gonna do with him? He ran a winning type of race in that allowance. Let's just give him a shot. I get it. Um, disarm, not quite sure on you mentioned Sun Thunder. I think he's a key underneath horse. I don't think he can win, uh, but I do think he's underneath. Curly Jack is interesting. So Tom Amos horses here, Curly Jack here, Hoosier Philly in the fairground Oaks. Both of them came off layoffs on that risen star card. Both of them did not run very well. Both of them have been running really well before that second off the layoff. Could they improve? That's going to be the big question mark. Big key to this card. Will Amos get these horses to improve? Curly Jack makes sense underneath again for me. Um, you mentioned the two Cox horses. I'm the opposite of you. I like Tappet's conquest more than I do. Jace's road. I just went with the jockeys he had. Yeah. He had Giroux on the 11, Franco on the 9. May not mean much, but I don't know. I feel like the 11's kind of been in here or been placed in here to kind of make sure there's speed. Okay. For the other two. The other two come from off of it. Feel like Jason Rowe will just go to the front. And, and, and I think that's going to bother a horse like Keith Barnes, who. I don't, I'm not sold on him, but I think he's got talent, but I'm not sold that he can win. And I'm, he's just going to be too short of a price. Can he win? Yes. Should he be really bet him at what I think is going to be four to one, maybe shorter. I, I can't do it. I, I can't. And so I might put him underneath. I don't think I can play him on top of anything. Now, which one are you talking about? Talking about Kings Barnes, the six. Okay. Yeah. Other than that, I don't know. I, I just don't see anything else that I think can really win. Um, we can talk all around it. I'm kind of with you. 
instant coffee seems like the horse that's in the best form, the horse that's shown the most, the horse that's ran the best races. So I went instant coffee on top as well. I, I, I think it's tough to get around him. Yeah. He's got the best track record. Yeah. You know, he's ran in bigger races. So yeah. if he's ready, and why wouldn't he be? You know, he's he's been off for two months. Yep. Sometimes that's a big help for a horse this young. Gets bigger, stronger, well-rested, more experienced. You know, he's two months yep. older. These horses are not very old. So I like that. I, I really think – let's put it this way. If he doesn't win, I think it's a bitter disappointment, don't you? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's I think it's very disappointing if he doesn't win. Yeah. yeah. Uh and Shoddy feels the same way about Kings Barnes. And you're right, Shoddy. I mean, you get on Twitter and everybody's picking that horse. And I to me I don't know why. What what have we really done to think we're gonna come out here and win, win this race? Well, this is anything he's done. Right. And and I want to ask you this because I've I knew we might have a little time here. I've got. I, I wanted to ask you a little bit. And you got. You may have covered this in some of your shows before. Some things. Some about how you handicap the certain things. And one of the things I wanted to mention was how much does where a horse has run, what track he's been at, factor into your handicapping. For example, this horse won an allowance race at Tampa, which. Is okay, but it's not a great track. How much does that figure in whenever you're looking at something like him, like this horse? Does that is that mean much to you that he won at Tampa in instead of maybe Gulfstream? Yeah, it does. Uh, it, it all depends on what I think the intentions of the trainer are. And I thought when he showed up at Tampa, he showed up the day after the Sam F. Davis, and he won. And I thought, well, that's his Tampa Bay Derby horse right i thought that's that's who the that's what they're going with and then right. tapa trice was the tampa bay derby horse and now all of a sudden this horse shows up in the risen star and so yeah i mean it does play a little bit of a factor the bottom line is with this horse he's never faced anything close to what he's right. facing here and so it's a whole new world for him and yeah. he hasn't been forced to do anything both of his yeah. races have been very easy for him and now like said, you, you you didn't get any kind of test. Like Tapatrice, for example, when he ran in that Gulfstream allowance, he wasn't the favorite in the race. Now, was it a tough race for him? No, but still, he was up against horses that were better than anything Kings Barnes was up against. So it does kind of give you that extra confidence without any doubt. Yeah, I mean, when, when I'm looking at a, at a form and I see this horse has only ran twice and his best win was an allowance race at Tampa and I'm not knocking Tampa at all, but I, I know that's not, he hasn't run against what you just said, what he's going to be up against. And I just don't think he should be six to one compared to some of these others that have been up against. And if Pletcher wasn't the trainer, I don't think he would be six to one. And like you said, he may go off at four to one. Well, I'd say I think he'll be the second choice on the board. I, he's he's going to take a lot more money than Sun Thunder, without any doubt. Um, you know, and after that, I, like, who is the second choice? I'm not quite sure. And 
you know, I talked about this was with uh, with the horse named Mage in the in the Florida Derby. Yep. I went off at terribly low odds, and I was on the feed saying this it's crazy. You can't do this, and everybody kind of gets confused. Why do you hate this horse? It's like no, you guys are you don't hate the horse. I hate the horse. I hate that a horse that's ran one race and it was a maiden. Yeah. In a field where we talked about it wasn't very good. Yeah. Is now four to one to beat Forte in the Florida Derby. Stretching out that a the horse also. Facing winners for the first time, facing right. the two year old horse of the year, and he's four to one. That's cr- insanity to bet. It, it is. Wasn't that a Pletcher horse also? No. No. Well, it was, was a well known trainer, though, wasn't it? No. Uh-uh. Oh, I thought it was. No, there were no connections either. Um, okay. No thought of that horse being good before that happened. Also, Classic Legacy in the Tampa Bay Derby was taking insane money because I read Ortiz jumped aboard. Right. I kept telling people, it doesn't matter. It, he shouldn't be three to one if anybody was aboard yeah. him. It's crazy that he's well, the there's nothing on his past performances that say three to one should be right. his price. Fast forward to this race. Yeah. Kings Barnes can win, but at Three, four to one. It's it's not a it's not a great play. It's just not. No, it, I think we both look at it. If if we were if we get if we got beat by him, we would just say, "Hey, it goes against everything I do when I better race," mm-hmm. and that's what you have to do. And and to be clear, if Kings Barnes was in the Tampa Bay Derby, let's say instead of Tapa Trice, yeah, I would have picked him. You know why? Because that field was horrible. And yeah. so his odds would have made sense to be shorter yeah. because he's facing nobodies. Here, you got a lot of horses that have shown something and have been in big races. He doesn't make sense at that same right. price. Yeah, every so, horse I mentioned had been in a greatest stakes race. I think um, I think almost every one of them had been in a – this horse has ran in a maiden mm-hmm. and won an allowance at Tampa. So it's it's a situation where if he wins, what it means is he's way better than the rest of these. And do you feel he's way better than the rest of these? My answer is no. No, and I think if he was, Pletcher would have made it known he was way better than the rest of You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, don't you think this is just something he's thrown in there to have a horse in the race? I think with Kings Barnes, they're high on him. I yeah. think I think getting Flavian Pratt was a really good sign that they like him. But yeah, I think they're thinking if we can sneak him in the Derby, that would be great. This is a good spot for him compared to taking on Forte or going to the Bluegrass and taking on Tapa Trice. I think the other spot could have been the Wood, uh, maybe. But um, I just kind of feel like it's like, hey, this is a spot that it's not. You know, once you get past the favorite, it could kind of be a mishmash for who gets second, third, fourth. He might be good enough, and then we'll get him in the derby, and that'd be great. That's what I think they think of him. I, I think, don't think they hate him, but I don't think they love him either. I think he's the third best Pletcher. And, it, you know, it's an easy ship for him, too. It's not that hard mm-hmm. to get him over there. Yeah. So, no, it, and, and again, it's not, this is not a, a, a criticism on Pletcher bringing him here. It, it's no. time to try it. It's, it's just if you want to take a short price on him, go for it. I wouldn't recommend it. Right. So that's where I'm at with that one. Um, so who, who's your likely pick to beat Instant Coffee? I think his stablemate, Tappet's Conquest, can beat him. 
I think the key with Tappet's conquest, he's kind of like Cyberknife was at this time last year. He's a little bit goofy. And if you watch his races, he runs in spots. He, he they can't get him to, to get over the hump mentally. If it clicks, he he has the talent to beat him. If you go back and watch the Risen Star, which is a really tough race to go back and watch because it's pitch black. But if you if you can find him. When they turn for home, Tappet Conquest looked like he's going to win. I mean, he looks like he's going to win. He's right there. And he just kind of doesn't do anything. And I just feel like longer we go and the, the more down the season we go, he's going to figure it out eventually. And when he does, he's going to be a problem. But we'll see what happens. Uh, there's rumors he might scratch and go elsewhere too. So we'll see what happens there as well. But by end of the day, Instant Coffee's Brad Cox's best horse right now. I don't think there's any yeah. doubt. Luis Saez is aboard once again. I don't think you have to get overly complicated. I think he's he's the horse to beat. And I think if you're going to try to beat him, you try to get somebody at a little bit of a price. Now, will his odds go down six to five, maybe even money? I don't think it'll go down that low. I think you're going to get about eight to five on him. Okay. Yeah. I, I think he'll be around eight to five. Um, it's a full field and there's a lot of a lot of intriguing horses that can take money and that you can make sense would take money and there's another Jace's Road comment from Curtis and and also you know Curly Jack I I, I just those are the type of horses where you can make cases for him hey Jace's Road's going to pop the gate it's going to be a dry track this time he's gone I mean I can't sit here and say that's impossible right no no and Curly Jack hey Second off the layoff, him and Hoosier Philly are going to fire huge Saturday. He'd been running good before that race. It makes sense. Like that's not a that's not a far fetched comment. So there's several horses like that, and I think the money will spread out because of that. So if you like the favorite, I don't think I don't think it's going to be too tough of a of a decision. I think eight to five, you'll be able to play him. So, yeah. um. Curtis says, if he had a different jock, I think he wins last time. He was against an Arabian Knight in the Southwest. This if was the uh, jock could have picked him up and carried him. Maybe that would have been about the only way. <laughs> uh, man, Luis Saez is gonna have a uh, have a choice for the Derby. So Luis Saez is on instant coffee, and he is on Tapatrice at this point. Mm. So uh, the good news for Luis, they're both going to run again. Uh, you got this horse this weekend, Tapatrice going to the bluegrass. So it might work out where yeah. it's an easier choice. We'll see. If Instant Coffee gets beat, Tapatrice wins. Yeah. Then you might see. Oh, he, okay, Curtis, that makes me feel a lot better about you. <laughs> <Talk> about <laughs> single ruler. <laughs> yeah, single ruler. Uh, we could talk about him for a second. Uh, he's an interesting horse at 15 to one. DeSormo pulls off upsets. We've seen it. We've seen it on this Derby trail. Um, I agree. He ran a sneaky good race. If you wanted to use him at 15 to one, I wouldn't hate it. Did you look at him at all? Probably not. No, I didn't see a whole lot with him. I'm just relieved old Curtis was talking about single ruler and not Jason's road. So, <laughs> He should have made that more clear. I don't think we even mentioned single ruler, did we? Well, I didn't see. I saw that he said Jason's warrior could wire the field, and then I he did say watch out for single ruler. I didn't. Oh, okay, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
so much better. Yeah, that's the you redeemed yourself there. Very it's, much so. <laughs> I was like, what? Southwest Jason's Road didn't run step. Uh, all right. Um, anything else? Any final thoughts on this race or anything? Yeah, we're done. So, well, I, I was going to ask you a couple of things. Yeah, go ahead. Like, it, again, if you've already discussed this on some of your other shows, that's fine. But I don't know whether you have. Would you? Would you? get to a race right here like this one and you start breaking it down. What are the top three things you, that you look at first to help determine where you're going? Ooh, top three things. Yeah. I mean, what's your go-tos? You know, the answer used to be speed figures. Uh, I was obsessed with them and boy, over the years and, 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 Please don't take this as a knock at buyers or time form or any of the people that make them. I think they do a really, really good job. They're becoming fairly meaningless to me, though. They really, really are. Uh, I, I will look at them. That's speed figures about the third thing I look at now instead of the first. So uh, I shouldn't say they're fairly meaningless. They still mean something, but I don't take them in too much of an account. Uh, I always look at who are the jockeys and who are the trainers to start. Uh, whether still, it be the number one handicapping angle I look, the very first thing I look at that's is – still your go-to. It's a go-to as far as the first thing I look at is who's who's entered horses into this race, who did they choose to ride, and what are those trainers thinking about these horses in this right. race? Yeah. Now let me ask you this. Okay. Do you think most handicappers go that route? They look uh, at the jockey trainer first. I couldn't tell you, probably. Um, I mean, I I do. I'm not saying I'm a big-time handicapper, but that's the first thing I look at. Yeah, it, probably. If I get the form, whether it be time form, DRF, whatever, that is the first thing I look at. And then Curtis is right. The next thing I do, formulate what pace. He, Curtis says pace. For me, it's more I formulate how will the race – not just like, hey, they're going to go 21 and 43, but how will the race come together? Like, where will each horse be positioned in that race? Um, and then what is the path? What is that horse's path to win the race, right? So, like, you see a bunch of speed and, like, this horse is a closer. And it's like, well, his path to win might be easier than normal because he'll have a pace set up, you know. And so you kind of formulate how that race is going to be run. So that, that, that would be number two. And then I get into speed figures and what horse is dropping in class or moving up in class or whatever. So how far down the list is what they've done, what their results are, I what think kind that, of races they've won? That comes third for me. Okay. Yeah. You, and then – I would say it's it's jockey trainer, you know, what is what's going on? What do you think they're trying to do with these horses? One, um, how the race is gonna flow, two, and then what they've done, dropping class, you know, whatever, moving up in class three, speed figure four. That'd probably yeah. be my top four. Yeah. So for the average handicapper, how long well, let me back up. How long did it take you before you realized how important pace was? A long time, um, like two or three years of doing it before you started realizing, you know what, that pace is pretty important. 
So I started in 2007, I would say two years of just being clueless. And then <laughs> by the time the website launched in 2012, I knew that pace was the key to most races. So well, I mean, that's five years, but I yeah. don't think it really took that long. A couple of years, yeah, before you realize. Yeah. Because here's what happened. You watch races and you see a horse and he's even money, let's say. Yeah. And he gets out in front. And you don't know what's going on when you just start. And you're like, okay, he's no. in good. He should win. And he loses. Yeah. And you see that four or five times. You're like, why is he losing? And then you dig into it and go, well, it, it the race where he won doing that, he went 24 seconds for the opening quarter. And today he went 22. Mm -hmm. And those two seconds make the throw it all off. You yeah. know? So it, it took a while, but not that long, I would say. Well, I, and I know you too. I have so many friends that know that I'm involved in horse racing and they want to go and they've never gone mm -hmm. and they, they want me to tell them what to do, how give me some tips. And I, I just look at them. I go, guys, you have no idea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't, it takes a long time to figure this stuff out, you know? Yeah. yeah. And whatever you do, don't get too fancy, you know, just go bet some wins and have a good time. Just look at the horses and enjoy it. Cause you, you and I both know it took, took us forever to figure out what was going on. You know, yeah. it's just, it's overwhelming. It really is. Even today, it's kind of overwhelming. It I think I, I, there certainly are races that for sure, uh, yeah. you know, uh, a, a race like this one where, well, let's just say like the, a race like the Pegasus World Cup this year. That was a very, I was very overwhelmed by that race. Yeah. I just didn't have any feel. And now the good news is when you get a race like that and you see it play out and then all those horses come back, then you can start, even though you just completely screwed up the Pegasus, right? But then they start coming back and then you cash on a last samurai, you know? Mm -hmm. And and you're able to to catch uh, a horse like Stiletto Boy at, at at Santa Anita because it's like you know he ran really well in that race and and, yeah. and now we're getting a feel for what's going to happen this year and and so yeah. you kind of can even though you missed that race you can take that data point and still move forward with it and say because another thing that I used to do when I missed a race I would just say well all those horses are terrible and I didn't miss it it's just that those those horses are stupid and that's just the worst thing you could do. When you miss a race, you still could learn a lot from it, and they're all going to come back and run again. So, oh yeah, the next time they're around, you better not just say, "Well, just draw a line through every race that I missed and, and forget it." Yeah. Who cares, you know? And and that's why you come full circle with horses. A horse like Last Samurai, you know, me four or five years ago wouldn't have bet him at Oakland the other day, but me now, it's like, look. He's the best horse. Mm -hmm. I don't care that he beat me a couple times. He's mm -hmm. the best horse in this situation, right? I look at him for sure. Yeah. And uh, a great example is Mo Donegal last year on the on the uh, Triple Crown Trail. I know I'm going off from what you talked about, but I had a I had it in my head what he was early on. He was going to just grind and get second and third in a line. He'll never win, right? Mm -hmm. And he kind of was that. But as you watched him, he started to grow up. He started to really kind of change into a guy, into a horse that could, he, he kind of had that last kick that you need. 
So you go to the Belmont and, and you've kind of been talking about how, yeah, he's just kind of second or third type of horse. And you get to this race at the Belmont and it's like, no, this is, everything's pointing to him. You got to get that out of your head, what you thought about him. And you got to analyze him for what he is today in that spot, you know? Yeah. And that's that I, to me, that's the biggest key to handicapping, you know, these major horses that, you know, right. Every situation is really different, right? Like oh. people with Tapa Trice one, uh, everybody's trying to project what he's going to do in the Derby and the Belmont. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking he's going to run in the bluegrass. So let's figure that out. Yeah, and then we'll, exactly. Because Jared keeps going. He's got no shot in the Derby. He's going to be too far back. I said, what if he sits fourth in the Bluegrass and kicks home and wins by five? All that shit you talked about. It'll all be changed. Is, it's meaningless. So yeah. don't get too far ahead. Take it. No, go one at a time. Yeah. yeah. And, and Curtis is right, and that's a hard thing to get to. But once really you get is. there, you're ahead of the game. Yeah, absolutely, you, Curtis. You're absolutely right. You have to eliminate biases. You have to. Yeah. And that's hard. That takes time and that takes experience getting beat when you're biased. Yeah. <laughs> and and Mark right. knows you and I have done that a lot over the exactly. years. Exactly. It, it, it's very tough. Yeah. But, you know, I tell people that the first time they're going, I, I'll tell them, get on the Internet and figure out what odds mean, what those mean. Because so many people go, they don't know what that means. Right. You got to know what that is. I know what the odds are. Um, you know, I said, you, you might want to go on and see what an exact is, see what a trifecta is, see what the daily double is, but I wouldn't recommend you bet it unless you want to do an exact. That's kind of fun. But there's just, there's just so much. A lot of people on Twitter, especially, think that the way to get a beginner is you come to the track and you just throw – wagering strategies and have to do this and have to do that Adam. And it's never going to work. It has to be a very gradual progressive thing. Yeah. And you're right. You need to teach them. Here's how to look at where the horses have finished in previous races, right? Like get a regular program. You get at the track and be like this last number, when it says one, that means they won. If it's a two, that means they finished second and handicap to that and try to pick winners just off that. And then the next, race the next time they go you build from that and you well i also think this if if you go that first time and you love it okay with the technology we have today you can go on you can watch a lot of races where you used to when you and i started you couldn't watch oakland no now you can you know you might have to buy a subscription to twin spires but you can watch whatever you want and get on there if once you get hooked and start watching races and you'll start to learn some stuff you'll start to figure some stuff out by listening to the guys at the track talk and things like that because it's hard trying to figure all this stuff and you can just get totally overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and i do believe this the the more you know the more boggled your mind gets Mm-hmm. The more doubt you sow in whatever you are picking, because you go, "Well, I really like this horse, but he didn't do this and he didn't do that." Can't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a big point right there. You can't. And, and this isn't a, a knock on Jared, but he doesn't handicap as many races as some of us do. 
And so I'll hear him say things like, I, I, I have this horse picked, but I'm really scared of this horse. I'm really scared of this horse. And what if this horse improves? He did that with, uh, I can't, with Forte. He's like, I, I really love Forte, but what if the, what if a horse on Derby Day just randomly improves? And I, my reply to that last week was, I feel like that at the first race at Gulfstream and then the second race at Gulfstream and then the third race at Gulfstream and then the first race at Oakland, every single horse race, yes. these worries that you're talking about, they happen every race. Every race. That's part of racing. There's nothing you can do about that. I tell everybody there's so many races, and you know this, especially maiden claimers. Yeah. $7,500 maiden claimers, $10,000 maiden claimers. Every horse in that race can win. Yeah. But every single horse in that race can lose. Yep. So if there's 10 horses in that race, you got a one out of 10 chance in a $7,500 maiden claimer. Yeah. So and I stay away from those. I don't bet those very often because so I just, it, they're impossible. If you got five horses alive in the pick five of the last leg and there's a 10 horse field, you know, they'll ask me, well, who are you worried about here? The other five. That's who yeah. I'm worried about. Because any, any, you can get beat anytime. And, and yes. Curtis is right. You can't. I mean, you can be nervous or whatever, but you can't be afraid. You just can't because you no, have to you won't enjoy it. If you, you, in, you won't enjoy it, but you have to accept the fact. If you're betting on horse racing, you're going to lose most of the time. You, if you don't ever accept that fact, you're never going to be able to play the game. No, you're not going to enjoy it for sure. Well, no, that for, for sure. It, 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 that's definitely true. Yeah. And you're going to lose some bets that are going to be heartbreakers. They're going to just nip you right at the end. I mean, we've seen that a million times. So, mm -hmm. but sports betting is the same. It's the same damn thing. Yeah, yeah. They're heartbreaks all the yep. time. So, yep. Um, Curtis says, you know, people on Twitter don't understand the reason why sports gambling is working is because people fell in love with sports first, the sport, and now they're gambling on it. You got to get people on track. Point. You got to like horse racing. You know, you're not. You know, that is a great point, Curtis. A very good point. Because I, when I went the first time, I knew absolutely nothing. Yeah. Nothing. And yeah, Shadi, I feel the same way. <laughs> In a way, I'm glad Oakland's so far away because I'd be there every day. But uh, But I fell in love with the whole thing. Not the betting aspect of it. Yeah. You know, I I started wanting to learn yeah. about how it all worked. Because when I went, I didn't know those horses ran anywhere else. I thought they were done as soon as Oakland was done. So I started studying it because I fell in love with it. Mm -hmm. And then the betting part, to me, I still, that's not the biggest deal for me. Yeah. Like, we'll probably go to track in a couple of weeks. I just enjoy going. Yeah. You know, I mean, I... I won't bet every race. I used to when I would go, but I, that's not the, that's not where I go. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. I just enjoy looking at the people and the horses. And now I'll bet on some stuff, and I love to win. There's no better feeling in the world than getting it right. Yeah. But anyway, and it's it is frustrating because I, I I feel like you know these people on Twitter. You just you can't talk to them. You can't tell them anything, or, yeah. or kind of even even if you have an experience personally that's different from what they think we need to be pre preaching to people just goes in one and out the other but you know another thing that people talk about is like great horses do nothing for horse racing and it's like it just couldn't be 
further from the truth. My first experience at a horse track was the 2007 Arkansas Derby with Curlin. And I always think, what if my first experience would have been 2008? Yeah. When Diego or whoever the hell won, right? Absolutely. You, when I really gotten into it. That's uh, you were so Probably fortunate. Not. You were so fortunate that the very first time you ever went, you saw one of the greatest horses of all time. Exactly. Well, for our era, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. And well, it, he's he's pretty damn good. I don't care what era. Right. And, yeah. and what a stallion! Holy cow! Yeah. But the duration of this guy is just, just unbelievable. It's just crazy, and and like. You know, we need betters, not fans. It's like yeah, they come hand in hand. And then I get that, like you, for example, like you're a bigger fan than you are a better, but you still are out there promoting the game and, and bringing new people to the track and, you oh, know, yeah. and, and you bet. And I mean, it's just like, I just don't get it. I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, I always tell people, guys, whatever you do, don't lose a bunch of money the first time you go. Right. Just Put aside 50 bucks that you can lose. It's not going to hurt you if you do. Look at it as an entertainment day, you know, because mm -hmm. you're and hopefully you'll get two or three races right and feel the thrill of it. Yep. And then start studying it a little bit. And then you, if you love it, if you get the way. I mean, I fell in love with the trainers. I, I did that, too. I, I loved watching the interaction between the trainer. You got to understand, too, I know nothing about a horse, nothing. Mm -hmm. and just to watch the trainer and how they work with the horse. I really got into that. And then you get to know the trainers a little bit because they're so damn fan friendly for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. You, they'll, they'll ride around you and you get to know them somewhat, you know, not know them, but you can speak to them about something. Cause most of them, are, they're very nice. You know, yeah. they'll put up with you. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta know your place. You know, you can't just go butt into a conversation they're having with somebody, right? Anyway, no, I know, and I always tell people, you know, I mean, if you think big horses don't matter, I mean, we oh, wouldn't be no. here without big horses. So, I no, I don't know, I don't know, but nobody okay. remembers a seventy-five hundred dollar claimer. Well, you might remember them, but uh, they're not going to make a bunch of new fans. No. <laughs> so, um, Although, you never know. If you own one, maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think he's won a few. You bet. Yeah, it's fun. But, uh, yeah. yeah. The Justifies, the American Pharaohs, mm -hmm. the Curlins. Yeah. We need those horses. That's for sure. The, the Zenyattas. Yeah. How many people did Zenyatta bring to the racetrack? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people. She was like her own touring circus there at the end. She was so. a rock star if there ever was one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, we've we've got to get off here. You got to got a show, so we got to get off here. That's right. Yeah. So uh, you got Magic Mike coming up at four central, and then uh, Blinkers off at five central. So oh, you got a little break then. That's good. Yeah, little break, and then we'll be right back in there. Um, uh, right back here, four or five o'clock, and then and then uh, first thing uh, in the morning. Well, not first thing, but eleven o'clock tomorrow morning for more dudes who bet daily. All right, guys, we're gonna get out of here. Good luck to everybody playing the basketball games tonight and tomorrow, and of course, as always, good luck for the horses. And we'll see you next time.
Like this is Dudes Who Bet Sports. Dudes Who Bet Sports, it's your favorite show. Dudes Who Bet Sports, where degenerates go. Dudes Who Bet Sports, time to change your approach with Aaron Holderman and his father, the coach. Let's ride. Well, Associated Press is full of shit.